Property Matters on Dublin South FM, the show that brings global trends to an Irish audience. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host for today is myself, Carol Tallon. Due to ongoing COVID-19 restrictions, we are still recording remotely, so my apologies for any poor sound quality. And so first up, I'm delighted to be joined on the line um, now by with uh, Tomás Macon, uh, sorry, Tomas, my Irish pronunciation is terrible, but you're Managing Director of McEwen Group. So, Tomas, you're very welcome and thank you for joining us today. No problem. Great to be here, <laughs> Caroline. I think you did an excellent uh, you're uh, very good. job on the name I'm there, afraid, so thank um, you. What, 13 years or 14 years of learning Irish in school has not stood to me, um, but it, it's something that as an adult I'd like to improve. Um, so, Tomas, as mentioned there, you're Managing Director with McEwen Group. Um, so that's a name that will be synonymous within the construction industry here in Ireland. So look, you might just take a moment to maybe give an overview to the audience here about McEwen Group and what projects you're involved in at the moment. Yeah, no problem, Carol. So we're, uh, I suppose McKeown Group is roots back to 1950 with my uh, grandfather and uh, I suppose taken over by uh, my father in the in the 70s. And um, I suppose it's grown into what it is today, which which is a multidisciplinary uh, contractor. Um, so we have a, a construction division uh, and mechanelec division. And then we have a, a sister company here works, which is a technology division. So we've 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 evolved over the years uh, into into. Um, yeah, absolutely. Into Different Actually, in terms of having that expertise in-house, that's quite unusual, you know, for most contractors will be bringing in, uh, say, the Mechanelec or anything. So in terms of um, project expertise, you've quite a lot of that in-house. Yeah, you know, well, it gives us a lot of insights, and it gives uh, customers a lot of, of comfort to know that uh, we have that 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 expertise in in house. And um, so, rather than you know uh, ha- having to reach out to, to subcontractors or, or indeed specialist subcontractors, um, where we literally just have to walk down the corridor uh, to our colleagues in uh, in in Mechanelec, and we're all sharing the one, uh, I suppose, uh, uh, common data environment really, uh, where we have access to all the all the contractual the drawings and. Uh, specifications as well so there's no there's no uh, uh, bottlenecks of information or indeed um, kind of uh, walls put in the way so it's uh, yeah it's worked out yeah, I, it has I worked can out imagine. very well and in terms of the past few months obviously there's been massive challenges in place for the industry so in terms of McKeown group projects um how have how have things been over the past two to three months yeah, very challenging. Uh, I suppose we were very lucky. Um, in one way, we had the IT systems set up there um, to to work remotely, and um, so we were able to do pretty much everything remotely that we could do could do uh, in the office. So we have a remote desktop set up there for all our uh, accountancy staff and indeed our uh, estimators. Um, so that was a blessing. Obviously, we're, we're uh, an office three six five house, so we were well used to using Teams. Um, that said, um, I think it was a a very quick digital transformation for some of us in McKeown Group because uh, we were just forced into use, you know, full-blown use of the technology. So we were lucky there, but of course we had a, a complete shutdown. Um, and uh, yeah, that was yeah. that proved very difficult. Um, uh, trying to decide, I suppose, a lot of time was was spent at the start trying to uh, figure out how we manage um, 
the wage subsidy scheme, uh, how we keep people engaged. Um, and, and again, as I say, our team were great at coming up with, um, you know, online training for, for particularly the site staff and the operatives um, to keep, keep them engaged. Obviously, the management team and the, and the estimators were still, um, were still flat out. Um, but uh, to keep, make sure that everyone, I suppose, mentally was involved, involved with something in, in, in the company and, uh, you know, just keeping them, yeah. keeping in touch with colleagues. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, so it was challenging, but uh, as, as I say, we were very lucky. Now we did have, um, we did have two projects that um, uh, we did some work on over the shutdown period. One was a, a social housing scheme, which we, um, which we got dispensation for our request more so to actually continue working on to finish to finish out uh, about 70 houses um, that will be leased to um, local authorities. Uh, we also had a medical uh, uh, device co- company that had um, they actually make coatings for um, for uh, implements that go inside the body. So that was was deemed an essential an, an essential site as well. So there was a little bit of. Uh, uh, of traction there and it kept kept some some yeah and and that's very positive but in terms of like you mentioned there that you know there was a huge shift towards digital transformation and i know that had to happen right across the industry um and it's very clear at this stage that you know some companies adapt to that uh in a different way or maybe um had an easier time adapting to this for the McEwen group certainly innovation is really in your dna there so um maybe the transition wasn't quite as as severe as it might have been for some of the other for some of your industry peers um now i understand that you've just launched a new app called good to go you might just talk us through that yeah so i mean you, you what you said there was it was that innovation is in our dna and that that is very True. Luckily, uh, and it's it's part of our culture, and it's it's one of our core values. Um, right from the fifties, when when my grandfather used to make make blocks and turn brush handles when there were short shortages of them. Um, but uh, we so we actually have a, a team here called Innovation Boost. Um, in internally in McKeown Group, and they would work on different different problems. Um, but they also they also seek to learn how to innovate, how to co-create, and then instill that culture in the rest of the, of the organization. So Good to Go came about, um, I suppose, early on in the uh, in the COVID nineteen lockdown when we were when we were kind of figuring, well, actually, what does the what does the future hold for for construction sites? How will we return to work? And obviously, particularly that uh, uh, medical medical device company I mentioned, we knew that was going to happen early, so we had to be ready for for going back to site there. There, um, and um, uh, I suppose I was involved in some of the conversations, but it was mainly our health and safety team, uh, I suppose, led by Kleena uh, and Veronica. And then we we appointed um, a, I suppose a COVID nineteen coordinator, um, Carmel Mooney, to assist with you know all the all the procedures and um, PPE that was going to be required. And during the course of the conversation, we were um, trying to figure out how would we actually sign people in and out to sites. And it was simple things like we can't use the the standard login book because you don't want to be sharing pens. Where does all this information go? What if someone does answer yes to one of the critical COVID nineteen questions how how can we keep that information safe how can we uh how can we prevent that the repetitiveness of if people are going to di- different sites that we can keep keep all this information uh, centrally so it started off as an excel sheet 
Um, and uh, then we figured the impracticalities of that and how to share it and how to make it very easy for our new, uh, I suppose, COVID-19 doormen, as we, uh, as, as we call our door people, apologies, uh, uh, as we call them, who are, who are going to actually have to ask everyone that arrives at site, whether it's myself or whether it's the client or whether it's an operative, um, you know, have you, you know, has your circumstances changed in relation to, to COVID-19? So somebody, and I can't, I can't remember who in the group came up with the idea of, uh, you know, could we, could we make this an online form? Um, so we uh, we created a, a Microsoft form which basically uh, asks all the questions. So if it's Carol, she's coming to site. Has she a um, has she been in contact with anyone with COVID nineteen? But it also uh, ticks the boxes in terms of actually tell me your next of kin. So if we do have an emergency, who do we yeah. who do we contact? Um, it also takes reference of your CAF induction card. You know the new COVID nineteen and that's uh, so CAF important induction. because obviously nobody can access the site without that. Absolutely. Uh, and and uh, so we asked all that in the form. So we got all this information. And then what really happened was we, this was being dumped into our SharePoint site. And we were like, really now, how do we share this information with sites? And we thought about Power Apps, which is a, 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 um, a part of Office 365. And um, I suppose yours truly took it, took it, took it upon himself to, to, to try and do something very quickly. And with the help of, of the whole team, we did it. And within a day and a half, we had right. a working app. And that's all in-house? Um, all in-house. So we... Um, and the app, for example, will actually has a barcode scanner on it. It'll scan your CAF induction card, verify that it's you. Uh, so a picture pops up that uh, that it's you within the app. Um, we expanded it then to take into account your safe pass number, any um, any certs you have, you know, training certs you have. So this then becomes a central register for any site. So typically and this was something that we always we always got feedback from the site managers for was well look at you know uh carol has been on one of our sites before um so she's filled out all this questionnaire and now i'm having to do it again and um, but we always kind of struggled with how do we share share this information in a safe way you know compliant with gdpr etc and uh, to make it easy um and this app now ticks all those boxes as well. So what started off with a, as a COVID-19 solution actually has, uh, has more solutions than that. Um, so now it's, it, it's, it's a simple app. You install it on your phone um, and the doorman can use it, but also the site manager can use it for um, taking pictures of certs as they do site-specific inductions. And then they can upload to the app what sites they have been approved on. So uh, I can see if I'm a separate site manager that comes onto that site, I can see, yes, Carol actually has been has approved, has been inducted on this site. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, and the yeah, feedback and, has been excellent. Well, look, I, I think it's an amazing responsive uh, use of innovation because, you know, sometimes the term innovation gets thrown around a lot. But one thing I've definitely noticed through our work with PropTech Ireland is that sometimes there's a perception that one company might be more innovative than another uh, or the culture of innovation isn't there. And I think it's really interesting that you you use the words um, learning innovation because sometimes that's something that's believed to be almost innate so that and that's a bit of an excuse or a cop out because it sounds like it might be easier for one company rather than another whereas actually if you're in the process of learning innovation and 
uh, trial and error, you know, there's it, it becomes part of the culture, um, you know, so it becomes something that's adopted by companies. Um, so, for example, and I don't know if you've seen this in, in the industry, but, you know, sometimes there's a perception that innovation is somehow linked with age. Um, and I think that that's such a misnomer. And I think it maybe got confused because of the use of technology, whereas actually what we see very clearly is that where people have an innovative mindset at 18, they're still going to have it at 88, you know, and that's just the reality there. And the industry, the construction industry is particularly resilient and particularly innovative. You know, like you mentioned, the challenges that your grandfather might have had and how he dealt with those. In fact, it's not very different to what you're doing today. It just you have technology as an enabler. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it is. I mean, we are still very much lear learning innovation, but as well as that, people sometimes don't realize how innovative they are. Um, a lot of people associate innovation with a product rather than a procedure or a way of doing things. And I suppose funny, I, I just only after sending an update today, uh, uh, we do a weekly update uh, to to uh, all, all staff in relation to uh, how we're getting on with COVID-19. And uh, one of the questions I asked but in, in a relation to innovation is, why am I doing this? So next week, if you ask yourself, you know, why am I actually doing this? Does it add value? And that question alone, or asking your colleague that question, you know, and not so much in a smart way, the answers you get can sometimes go, actually, you know, I don't actually need to do this. I can skip this step and do some, you know, do it a different way. Um, so a lot of innovation in certainly in our in our industry is just in relation yeah. to process um, and not necessarily, you know, people just get hung up. But sure, I don't design anything. I don't, but it's it's That's how you do things. That's such a great point because actually one of the things we hammer home is that uh, not all innovation is tech driven, but equally not all technology is innovative. And I think, you know, in terms of what we're using now, you know, there has been a huge element of of novelty driven technology uh, technology solutions over the past decade and what we've really seen over the past two and a half months is all of that has been stripped bare so now suddenly it's it's um not novelty but necessity driven in, uh, technology is being used so whether it was microsoft teams or zoom or whatever whatever team group chat you're using you know these were things that were handy um up at two and a half months yes. ago whereas now they're vital and i think that's a shift that might have taken an awful lot longer, you know, to, to make if we hadn't been thrust into this um, chaos and, and the dealing with the the impact of the pandemic, you know, in order to keep businesses going. Um, Tomas, one of the most impressive things about the Good to Go app, and by the way, just for listeners who want to to find that it's it's good and the number two, Good to Go. And I think there's a link um, to that on your website, mckeown.ie. But one of the most impressive things to me about this is that now that you've developed this, rolled it out on your own sites and you're benefit, benefiting from the, the productivity gain and the ease of use, you're now making this available for free to, to the industry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyone who's interested, yeah, as you say, you can go to mckeown.ie and you'll find uh, find details there. But uh, we've actually partnered with uh, MJ Flood uh, to export it um, because there's a bit involved in actually ex exporting it and importing it. So MJ Flood um, uh, are our IT partners here. So we reached out to them and said, look, at, um, would you be interested? Uh, we're, we're going, we'd like to offer this for free to external. And they said, yeah, no, that, that'd be great. We'd love to get involved. Um, so I suppose what I, 
what struck me over the last few months, and I've spoken to a lot of my colleagues, competitors, you know, many of them, and everyone has been so open through this. You know, this is how we're doing uh, doing things. Have you have you seen this? Have you uh, uh, have you tried this? This is how you know. This is what we did, and this is what failed. And that openness, I, I just thought, was absolutely excellent. And I suppose on the back of that, we said, "Well, look at what what can we do to 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 help the industry and our peers?" Yeah, I I think this is an amazing thing to do, and I hope um, I hope that contractors actually take advantage of this and gain the same benefits as well, because it's really important. Look, one of the things in terms of innovation, which clearly isn't a problem at, at uh, McKeown Group, but one of the things with innovation is that there has to be a willingness to get things wrong, a willingness to fail and a willingness to course yeah. correct. And the margins in construction historically have not really enabled that. There has to be a huge commitment towards it. You know, so is that something, is that is that a shift that we're, we're going to have to make in the industry going forward? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, especially, with, I suppose we're from a, a family company, obviously, that, that have grown and trying to get out of that idea of being able to control everything, uh, even in itself is innovative and you have to allow people to fail. Um, in a controlled manner, of course, but you have to encourage it and then accept that the you know the there may be there may be failures. Uh, I I think this, the the industry doesn't give itself enough credit at times, as you were saying earlier, in terms in terms of how innovative it, it is. Um, I suppose my fear at the moment is that. Uh, Given you know we've we we've seen a, a down you know a, a not a, a downturn in work but things being postponed and put off till next year and and indeed jobs cancelled and my fear would be that the industry may fall back into that uh, uh, mode of buying work uh, and of doing things below cost and there we lose all the traction I yeah. think we've we've made in the last in the last. Uh, in the last few months of actually learning from one another and then suddenly gone into this panic mayhem of trying to uh, uh, pick up work everywhere. But hopefully we learned our lesson um, 10 years ago and, and and that won't happen because, I mean, to do to do work now um, requires a lot of professionalism and uh, particularly with the new uh, control measures with COVID-19, it's not going to be cheap to do mm-hmm. work. Yeah, and look, I, I think that's a really important point and it's not one that's come about uh, as a result of the pandemic. This is something that certainly the CIF and other industry bodies have really been championing change of uh, procurement processes so that there isn't this weighted, um, this weighting in favour or in favour of low cost tendering, you know, that, that there is a quality yeah. component there and it's a really important aspect. But in terms of projects, um, I absolutely understand your fears there because it's something that's come up on on previous shows over the past over the past two months. And what we're seeing is a strong indication from the private sector that we need to see in the public sector that there will be a commitment to keep work, to, you know, to keep on track with work. And particularly in terms of capital projects, the last thing we need is a slowdown in there because we know. We know now the impact of trying to recover from a lost decade of infrastructure. It's very expensive. It's very cumbersome uh, and it adds more challenges to the industry. So that's definitely a point I think that's been really well made by many industry bodies. And it's been made to government as well. Um, you know, so we want to see, I suppose we need to see some support around that. But in terms in yeah. terms of what's next for McKeown Group, and, you know, the projects in the pipeline over 2020 and 2021, you know, what, what I suppose, what's next for McKeown Group? 
I suppose we have um, uh, we have been very successful actually in a number of uh, framework tenders uh, of late. A lot of pub- public framework tenders. So with um, with the likes of the county councils and with the uh, third level institutes. Um, so thankfully. Um, you know, a lot of them will have a lot, a, a lot of work. So we we see uh, we see that coming up. We're we're building houses in Malahide. We are, um, as I say, finishing off that uh, me- medical uh, 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 device company there in um, Clonshock. Um, and I suppose here here works from a technology point of view. We're working with a lot of the um, large tech companies in in Dublin City who are gung ho to. Uh, plow ahead with all, all their projects which is which has been great feedback um to hear um obviously there may be some changes to office layouts but the the, the scale and scope of the of the projects remain the same so we've 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 uh, we've we've plenty in the pipeline um as i say we've a lot of projects that were uh, are, are supposedly postponed um but hopefully as confidence returns into the market we'll see we'll see them come back online. absolutely and i note there that you talked about your grandfather establishing the company in 1950 which makes 2020 your 70th anniversary and you're the third generation uh leading the charge there so that's another massive achievement there yeah um, yeah, so we hope to have celebrations uh, uh, later Absolutely. in the year. Absolutely, and hopefully there will be plenty to celebrate across the industry also. Um, so our thanks again, um, our thanks again to Moss for joining us just to talk about the Good To Go app, but also for making that available to the industry. So again, for anybody listening in that wants to learn more about that, it's good and the number two go. And you'll find details of that on McKeown Group website, which is McKeown. So thanks again to Tomás Macon and Managing Director at McEwen Group. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. We need to take another quick break. Stay tuned. 93.9 Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. I'm delighted to be joined on the line now by Paddy Byrne, Managing Director of Zenon Fever Defence. So, Paddy, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem, Carl. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Delighted. Um, Paddy, Zenon Fever Defence. What exactly is Fever Defence? Fever Defence is a standalone fever screening solution that helps businesses to reopen again after the, the COVID-19 lockdown. So the idea of Fever Defence is, is that it's installed at the entrances of business premises and uh, allows um, businesses to quickly and easily check temperature of um, people who are entering their premises. So the fever defense device itself is a a standalone solution. It comes as an eight inch LCD display on top of a pedestal stand. Now the device has both forward facing temperature screening camera and facial detection camera, which allows um, it to quickly take a facial temperature of people entering the building. So it's designed really with uh, ease of use and installation um, as its primary goal. And how it works is it detects when someone is in front of it and uses an audible instruction to ask them to step into the detection area, which is about one meter in front of the device. It then quickly takes a temperature scan of the facial area and gives a okay. red or a green light uh, indicator and an audible warning, depending on if the person is in a normal range of temperature or has a potential fever um, temperature. Um, okay. And is the sensor attached to the app? 
Yes, correct. It's a it's a standalone solution. Um, so it it looks almost like a, a, an iPad tablet with um, a temperature camera on top. Now that's that's mounted on top of standalone pedestal stand, uh, which can simply be plugged in at the entrances of people's premises. Um, it just needs a normal electrical uh, outlet. Uh, and doesn't require internet connection for it to allow its fever screening functionality. Okay, and does that plug into any other solutions or can it tie in with software that a company might already be using to uh, maybe manage or monitor staff? At the moment, it's a completely standalone solution and that's really for GDPR purposes. Uh, So it's an offline solution and doesn't require internet connection um, for its functionality. So at the moment, there are no integrations with with, with other solutions. Okay. And um, so tell me, what was Xenon doing prior to COVID-19? Yeah, so Xenon has always been in the um, security and safety space. Um, So we worked on a variety of different products and projects uh, around Ireland um mostly in the installation end of it where we've done projects like Kiki Castle um multiple different water treatment facilities around Ireland and uh also a lot of commercial buildings around Dublin. Okay, so do you have a team um you're based in County Carlo. Do you actually have a a team working on innovation based in Carlo? Correct. Yeah. So ooh, I suppose Early on, whenever it became apparent that the pandemic was going to be uh, a big issue, about the middle of, of, of January, our team started um, working on different solutions um, to really help businesses to try reopen again as quickly as possible um, and to, to protect their staff. Um, so our team have had a, a number of sleepless nights since then and have been working really hard to uh get um, fever defense to where it is today. And, and thankfully, we're, we're already protecting um, customers in a variety of different industries in Ireland and also in the UK and the US markets. Wow. So uh, your time then from, say, innovation or ideation right through to actually getting um, uh, deployed on your first site, how long did that take? It was, we're only after deploying the, uh, deploying the first devices about three weeks ago. Um, now, as I said, our team have really been working around the clock uh, to, to get it this far and uh, we're really happy with the results that we have. Okay, and th- that's great. I mean, look, that's, you know, over the past number of weeks on the show here, we've spoken to innovators who are, have really responded so quickly to the pandemic and have rolled out solutions that are required and the speed at innovation uh, and not just innovation, but the speed of execution has been just unbelievable. Um, so tell me, in terms of the industries that I know you're, you're, you're really at early stages of rolling out, um, which of course is understandable. Yeah. What industries are you targeting, or where are your where are what industries are using the device already? So we've we've currently um, have about three hundred installations um, here in the UK and in the US. It's across a really a broad spectrum of industries. I, I suppose um, here locally, we're we're lucky to have great clients like uh, Ballymore Group and Murphy Group in the construction space. Aramar in the facilities management space, amongst others in manufacturing, food processing, medical devices, retail and commercial. 
Um, so we're lucky to have a, a broad spectrum of customers so far. And I suppose it's really um, a different business to trying to reopen as quickly as possible and try to get back to some sort of normality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when we look at solutions, particularly for the construction industry, you know, generally any devices that are used on site, you know, they need to be robust. Um, so are how are you providing? So say, can your device be used outdoors or with a with electricity connection so unfortunately none of the thermal imaging devices can be used outdoor because of accuracy um, the devices using this technology need to be in an indoor environment to allow um, the accuracy of reading our device does accuracy of plus or minus 0.3 of a degree um, and it has to be in an indoor uh, wind-free environment to allow this. Now, we have a number of customers who in the construction space have been very innovative around this and have used uh, shipping containers as a, a means of creating an, in, uh, an indoor environment that staff can pass through on the way into their sites. Yeah, that's a good idea. So, but um, for for the device to work properly, uh, say for example, if you were using this inside a shipping container, does it need to be effectively sealed, or do, you know, is it is three walls enough? No, it would need to be. Or does it need to be in a yeah, an, an indoor environment? Sorry, go uh, ahead. an indoor environment with a minimal wind is is what is really required for um for to give an accurate reading. Okay. And in terms of uh, uh, now that you have this on construction sites, you know, in terms of uh, the feedback you're getting, you know, first of all, are are people, our staff happy to use this and site operatives, are they happy to use it? Yeah, absolutely. The feedback we've been getting so far has been overwhelmingly good. Um, I suppose being designed with ease of use in mind uh, was important from the start with this device and the red and green light stop-go system combined with the audible instructions really means that uh, people just get it straight away and they intuitively react or uh, interact with it. And I think it brings uh, a lot of people comfort that um, they know that they're healthy and that the people who are on the sites and in the different um, building environments with them are also uh, healthy. So it has it, definitely been positive from that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, the, the sheer scale of rollout, um, you know, 300 sites over the past three weeks across Ireland, the UK, the US, that's phenomenal. Like, how have you done that? Have you worked with partners in other jurisdictions? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've been lucky to get uh, venture capital backing um, from a New York-based um, venture capital company, ATW Partners, and they've assisted both with financing and with um, partner companies in the US. Um, so we're, we're lucky to have some really good partners over there who are helping us scale the business out over there. Um, okay, and that's that's really impressive, Paddy. But was that funding specifically for this solution? Because that just seems like such a quick time time frame to uh, design a solution, pitch it to VCs, get support, get money, uh, build, execute, deploy. You know that 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 seems to have happened in such a, a short space of time. Were you already pitching for investment prior to devising this particular solution? Yeah, so I I already had um, a relationship with. This um, with this investment company um, from a previous uh, startup company that I had called Box. Um, Box was in the delivery space, but 
uh, it's previously been sold to um, an investor in the States. Now, I suppose speed of innovation, and like you already alluded to, with, with, with the whole COVID-19 situation, has been everything and um, there really has been great support from the guys at ATW and understanding that it, it has quite a, quite a potential to help different businesses across the states and, and that that's where um, the, the investment um, came from. Yeah, and even having the, the network of partners um, to distribute your solution. So um, in terms of deployment on site, and I suppose I'm asking this question now, not for uh, the construction companies who might actually want to deploy this on site, but for many of the prop tech innovators who are at the moment uh, maybe designing solutions or who have designed solutions and are struggling in terms of the rollout. So in terms of actually deploying on site, um, can you send the device or does it need to be installed? No, it's been designed so that um, it can be packaged and sent to the, to, to sites. Um, and really, we've, we've put a lot of attention into making it as easy to install and um and to start as possible. So what we say is if you have 15 minutes and a screwdriver, you can put it together. Um, we've made uh, a number of different um, installation and assembly videos just to really help um, people understand how it's put together. And um, it, it, most of our customers haven't had an issue with that so far. Okay, and then I suppose from the from the company point of view, have you been able to put in place any protections in terms of patents, um, given the short time frame? Um, we haven't patented the idea. Um, we have, however, got um, trademarks around our, our branding, and and that that's been the extent of it. Okay, um, it's a really impressive achievement, Paddy. Uh, what size is the team there working in Carlo? We have a 20 person team here working in Carlo, and uh, we're now working with various different specialists in, in, in different areas in logistics and in operations to, to help build it out in, in the US market as well. Okay, and what what are you working on uh, in terms of? I understand that it, there's been a huge rush to perfect fever defence and to get that rolled out. But in terms of um, the longer term plans for the company, you know, what are you working towards next? Are you seeing the pandemic as maybe opening up opportunities for? more ongoing as opposed to more immediate solutions being required? Well, I, I suppose with the actual fever defense product um, itself, we, we do hope to get past the, the pandemic and um, the device itself is, is being designed in a way that will allow future applications to be added to it um, around the access control um, employee check-in and possibly remote customer terminal um, type devices. Uh, so we do certainly see a future for this device post uh, pandemic as well. Um, in terms of in general, uh, the pandemic it, it has been brutal across the, the world and but it, it has however also created an unbelievable amount of innovation and Every week we um, are having Zoom calls with uh, companies in the States that 
three months ago, it would have been really, really difficult to start um, conversations with, with these people. Uh, and now, because of the almost ubiquity of tools like Zoom and, uh, um, and other video sharing platforms, uh, we've, we've had companies from Silicon Valley through to um, Dubai and, uh, it's in a way it's, it's it's brilliant to be able to think that you can do business on an international scale um, from from Carlo here in Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, thank you so much for being with us, Paddy, and for taking us through the solution. Once again, you know, it's a massive achievement by your team um, to respond so quickly, to design something that can be deployed so quickly and that can be so effective for employers. So just, I suppose, a final note for anybody uh, particularly from the planning, construction and property industries, you know, who might need to deploy this, you know, where where is this information available? Yeah, um, we can be found at the web address www.feverdefence.com um, and there's lots of information on our website about the address and by all means feel free to, to get in touch with us and our, our team will be more than happy to help uh, try try solve their particular issues. Very good. Okay, we leave it there for now. That was Paddy Byrne, Managing Director of Xenon Fever Defence, based in Carlo, and now rolled out over the past three weeks across um, 300 plus sites in Ireland, the UK and the US, which is a massive achievement. So well done to all the team there. We need to take another short break and we'll be back shortly. Stay tuned. 93.9 Dublin South FM. Welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. We are, of course, recording from home as the radio station operates remotely in full compliance with government guidelines. So please um, bear with us over any sound quality issues while we record remotely. So I'm now joined on the on the line by Gareth Flower, um, CEO of ParkOffice.io. Gareth, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. And so tell me, Gareth, ParkOffice.io, what is ParkOffice? So um, ParkOffice started about a year and a half ago when we rolled out the product. Essentially, it's a, a, an allocation system for parking spaces for, for offices. So... What we found was that a lot of um, office space on a daily basis goes empty. And this is to the frustration of, you know, other people who are in in the company. Essentially, what you'll see when you look out the window um, into the car park, you'll see between 20 and 50 percent of the spaces lie empty on a daily basis. And this is solely because there there is no clever way until now of managing that space and releasing the space if you have a space to someone else who may be in need of a space. So Park Office does that through its software. Um, mm-hmm. And we we set up and work with some of the leading companies around the world, um, like Indeed and CBRE, uh, for example. And, and we set companies up very quickly within three hours and, and then they can go away and reduce the frustration of their drivers and, and improve employee morale and, and efficiency, et cetera. So very simple product. Uh, uh, very clever solution. Okay, well, look, that that's exactly what we like to hear. But um, in terms of the the principle of this is very well established. Say in terms of um, IoT sensors being used in offices to monitor desk space and mm. use, so that they can have a more flexible application and real time know in real time about availability. Mm-hmm. So there's less waste. So it absolutely makes sense to be doing this with our car parks as well. Um, but I'm just. 
I, I suppose I'm I'm personally just not as familiar with the problem mm-hmm. around um car parking within companies and within organizations. So does this problem arise where there's designated spaces? It can arise in two two ways. So so right now around the world, you know, if you look at the US alone, there's the equal amount of squared footage of offices that as there is parking. You know, so so when you look at how you manage parking currently in the traditional sense, there's two ways of doing it. One is first come, first serve. So it's like everyone can drive in. And if you get lucky and you get a space, that's great. You got it. Um, but whoever ends up coming after you is kind of stuck. They don't have a space. Where do they go? Um, so that's one traditional model. And then the second model is you get allocated spaces. So normally... It's the senior management who get allocated a space um, in an area. And then if you're, you know, maybe a junior in the company, you don't get a space. And, and that really uh, can cause a lot of frustration internally in the company in both scenarios. So, yeah, absolutely. So, so where, our, uh, where the idea actually stemmed, Carlos, was we, um, we were at, tasked with finding spaces for a large pharmaceutical company. And when we went in to meet them, they actually had tasked us to find 50 spaces in the area. And we had, w- when I drove in, there was actually 50 spaces in their car park empty. <laughs> so, so, you know, they're asking, looking to pay us all of this money to find space and they have an empty car park. And their solu- what, what happened in their scenario was that they had allocated spaces to their senior management. But of course, they were out at meetings, out sick or on holidays. So that space mm-hmm. was left to waste every single day. And now this is in those two traditional senses. This is all across the world. So when we roll out our solution, we deal with both of those traditional scenarios and we give them an effective, seamless solution to remove that. So in the first come, first serve scenario, what we do is we can create a, 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 a system where first you can see the occupancy live. So if you're getting up in the morning and you're uh, you're driving in and your normal commute, you can actually see the live occupancy as it goes up in the office at that time. And some companies have more than one car park. So you might see that car park A, which is right beside the office, is now getting really full. So I'm going to go to car park B. And mm-hmm. what you and, and, and that actually saves an enormous amount of time that is normally wasted on a daily basis. You'd be surprised how some of the biggest companies in the world it have thousands of employees driving in on a daily basis. And that saved 10 minutes for a couple of hundred employees every day adds, yeah. adds up. So you can... Yeah, no, look, that, that absolutely makes sense. And I suppose I'm thinking of, you know, particularly outside of just one company's parking, business parks in particular, mm. you know, whenever I go to East Point, it almost feels like... Um, <laughs> a separate appointment to get my parking first you know it's it's quite frustrating so something like that would really be a benefit and I suppose you know we've seen maybe lower tech solutions Mm. um rolled out in a simpler way in in shopping center car parks where senses alert people by way of lights you know not using an app but just very simple things to direct people to site or to to vacant uh spaces but how does your technology actually work? Yeah, so that's a perfect example. Just think think about when you used to drive to the shopping centre and how, how frustrating it was not to know where the space was. And that simple little light 
how much how much less stress you have in your life because of that. So our our solution is a souped up version of that. So essentially, like for the for the uh, occupancy, we can see where the space is at, at live in real time through your app. And um, so when you're driving, it will notify you which ones are are filling up fast. It could say mm-hmm. car park A is is now ninety percent full. Go to car park B and give you a link to that. It could also allocate you a space. So in some companies, people want to be to continue to be allocated their spaces. So what it does is it allows you with one tap to confirm that you are taking the space on that day or release the space in one tap. So that allows you to then, if, you're, if you know that you're out, you don't normally come in on Fridays, you release that space to someone else in the company, into the pool for the company to use. Then you can arrange that uh, system so that it can go in either priority. So you might have a current organizational structure, senior level down, and you can give them priority based on their status in the company. Or you could give priority, say, uh, people with disability or uh, who live very far away or who are pregnant at the moment. Etc. So making making a humanizing the policy a little bit more and, and and reducing that friction, or you could make it flat. So you could co- do it completely fair, where it's um, everybody gets allocated through uh, our algorithm, uh, alg- allocation algorithm, which we actually nicknamed Newton, <laughs> and we it, it takes all the complexity away. So the company can just uh, put in a, the fair algorithm for Newton. And it will spit out who gets parking and on what day. So you might get parking two times this week, but it'll actually lower you down in the algorithm for next week because you've already got it more than some others um, this okay. week. Okay. Yeah, and that that sounds like a great solution. Mm. Uh, I I feel like there's maybe a story behind the naming of Newton. <laughs> Who came up with that? It's uh, it's an interesting one. You know, he he, he came up with the uh, he came up with the philosophy of of motion and. Um, and it just it, it became apparent as we were trying to describe the solution, how we didn't want mm-hmm. to get into the complexity, because actually our job is to remove the complexity for our customers. So giving it the name of Newton actually reduces the need for us to describe the complexity that's built within the solution. And it, it, okay. it, it spits out exactly what they want. They want the solution. People want the solution. They don't want to waste their time figuring out parking. They want to get to the meeting. I actually had a great conversation with one of the biggest tech CEOs in the world. And he said, how, how, you know how valuable that 10 minutes is when you know you're not going to make it late to your board meeting and how, yeah. uh, you know, how, how beautiful it is to get that 10 minutes and, and not be late for your board meeting. So I think this is a, a problem that's been there and it's a solution um, to that problem, which, which is very new. Yeah, and uh, well, I, I suppose if you think about it, designated parking in the first place uh, on a hierarchical basis was so that the most important people mm. spent the least amount of time on this problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know that that's the that's the whole concept behind it. Um, so, but I suppose like like all startups and like all businesses, you know, there has had to be there has had to be an element of uh, reimagining the product mm. in light of the pandemic and to adjust to kind of a changed workplace. So I understand you've actually adapted the solution to help companies, um, I suppose, minimize risk as their employees look about returning to work, whichever phase of the of the recovery that they'll be returning mm. on. So 
so when when everything happened, obviously there was an immediate uh, pause on everything across every industry, and and everyone took a breath as, as, and tried to figure out what was going on and how far this would go. And look, we we saw an immediate questioning of okay, well nobody's driving, what's going to happen? And actually, you know, that lasted for about two weeks, and then the companies we started talking to the companies uh, that we were working with and saying you know, what What will the future look like? And started to figure that out. And I think we, we started discussing that earlier than most. And what we found was that it's going to look like a staged rollout. So a staged comeback to the offices, what would be necessary for companies to do that in a safe and effective way? And so so we actually got a lot of ideas from our clients, from, from, from our customers who are saying, you know, we, we want to be able to check in with our customer or with our employees on a daily basis to see how they're doing, to see how they're feeling. Are they feeling ill? You know, because a lot of people are touting uh, temperature checks on at the front door and things like that. But actually, that's nearly too late if you think about it. You know, you're driving into the office and you're arriving at the door. And can you imagine, you know, the fear of the sensor going off and telling you you're you've got a high temperature and other people looking at you. The, the social fear of that alone is daunting for most. So this is mostly an honor-based system that we set up for for our, our, our customers where essentially they could send, we know when uh, you're, you've booked in to go to work. So it sends you a, a message an hour before you're going to work and saying, how are you feeling today? You know, do do you feel like you have a temperature uh, have you been in contact with anyone suspicious that you might be suspicious that you might have it? And it will it will then if you respond yes or no to those questions, if you respond yes, then it will just send a message saying no, no problem. We're uh, HR will be in touch with you shortly to discuss. And that does it in a very humane way, which is not, you know, you know, alerting everybody on campus that someone arrived today and had had the had the COVID-19. And it just does it on an honor-based system. And we found that a lot of clients are very interested um, in, in, in more than that. We're, we're also allocating desks along with the parking spaces now as well. So we offer these solutions free of charge as our way to help. Um, you know, myself and my co-founder, Dan, uh, who's our CTO, we tried to figure out ways in which we can help. And, and obviously, look, we're not scientists. We're, we're not able to, and we're not a, a huge company, so we're not able to do, do more than that. But it's really about trying to help with what we have. Uh, and that was yeah. that was a way for us to quite quite quickly um, listen to our customers and what they need and then develop something using our skills, which is in technology to create a, a common sense, uh, a common sense way to help. Yeah, absolutely. And look, in terms of um, Park Office, you're only you're only about 18 months established. So there's been quite good market traction so far, even prior to the pandemic. Yeah, February February was our best month ever. Um, we That's we've right. had um, we've had we've been fortunate that you know this solution solves a real problem, and I think that that's the fact and why we we have been growing quite quickly. Um, you know, it's not a nice to have solution; it's actually solving a problem. And our customers have mm. been great uh, referrals for us. Um, and referring us to for, to to more business. Um, one of the benefits with the with having a solution that solves a problem 
means that we're actually able to quite quickly get engagement with some of the largest companies in the world. And, you know, with, if you looked at our client list, we have six Fortune 500s um, already established. And that's that's just in the last 18 months. And realistically, that's more more like the last 12 months, because the first six months, as you know yourself, is all about teasing it out, listening to customers, building on top of that, yeah. uh, yeah. et cetera. And, yeah. And so on, but we've been we've been growing remarkably quickly, and um, we're we're seeing a lot of traction across the world from LA to to New Zealand. Uh, we now have customers, which is really exciting for the team. And you know, we I, I'm I'm fortunate enough and in the lucky position that uh, that I'm surrounded by very very intelligent people who who are hardworking and nonstop, um, and and it makes my job easier. Well, look, that's the that's the power of the team. And if you can get that right at startup stage, all things are possible. Um, but in terms of market traction over the past 18 months or even 12, as you suggest there, um, you know, th- that's been phenomenal by any standards. And, you know, sometimes actually in terms of international clients, like one of the ones like you've mentioned there, um, they can actually become a route to export, which is so important, mm. um, or, or a route into into international markets. And that's just so important for Irish startups, particularly Given the uh, geographical limitations of a country this size, you know it, it's a really important one. So, what's next for Park Office? <laughs> yeah, no, you're. I think you're completely right with that comment. I think you know we're we're very much focused on how we can how we can expand um, outside of 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 the island of Ireland. We're we're looking at working with our our treasured partners like CBRE um, and getting introductions into their offices globally. You know, right now we're managing their parking in Dublin. Uh, this morning we we're talking to their their offices in Spain, and we're looking at how we can expand that not just in those countries but into countries around the world. They're they're a perfect example of a partner that can help us expand our reach, and and that's the beauty of software as well is that we can set up a client in in less than three hours. So you know, when you think about how it can scale. Um, across the world, it's really, really amazing uh, the, the the ability for exponential growth. I, I, I would say that that we're um, in terms of our our vision and targets, we're looking to be the the number one uh, player in this space um, in in the next four years, and 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 really go after after a target. We we have a milestone in, internally in the company of being in a hundred plus uh, countries. Um, by the end of 2024, and I think that's that's an exciting thing for for a company where the CEO is currently based in in his house in Longford. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? look, I, I, geography. The great thing about um, prop tech or, or technology in general is ge- uh, ge- geography doesn't have to be a limitation uh, limitation mm. at all, and it's a really important one for us. Um, particularly again in Ireland, being an island, there are limitations there in terms of market size. So, uh, but in a way, actually, one thing I found through our experience with PropTech Ireland is that it actually makes Irish startups focused on export at a much earlier stage than our UK or other counterparts might. And I think that's an inherent strength, and um, that that it's something that um, Irish startups tend to have, and it's a really strong one. So um, it sounds like a bold ambition and some pretty big goals there. It'll be exciting to watch Park.io 
as they as you progress to meet those. Um, Gareth, thank you so much for joining us today and best of luck to your team as you go forward with those to try and meet those bold targets. That was Gareth Flower, CEO of parkoffice.io. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's it from us today on Property Matters, the show where property matters. You can get in touch by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com or on Twitter at iPropertyRadio. Also, my thanks to Peter Rice on Sound and show producer Katie Talon of Hear Me Roar Media. We're back at the same time next week from myself, Carol Talon, and all the team here. Stay safe.